0: Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. The future.
1: The Creator spoke. Stars were born. Waves crashed. Mountains formed. Just us. Individual adored. Born from breath. Now bone and flesh. We listen for His voice. Maybe God sounds like the silence. Gentle, dancing wind. Heavy thunder. Rolling laughter. A song at each day's end. Like the voice of a friend. Maybe God sounds like a child. Or a hallelujah choir. Maybe he sounds like a record, or maybe God sounds like a fire. We anticipate the infinite, yet he's speaking in the intimate. Maybe God isn't just an echo from distant history. Maybe God is present, active, with us. Now
0: here with you this morning Uh, my name is Ryan and if I haven't met you yet my wife and I have the privilege of pastoring Love City Church come on say I love Love City Church come on so we're glad to be here with you today and I see a heck of a lot of new faces and we love it I tell our church uh listen our church grows over the summer The summer, people come to church, and so we've been so blessed to have a full house today, and actually the whole summer has been fantastic to see all these new faces. It's been a great uh, summer. My wife and I just got back from our vacation, uh, but we we had a great time away, and I just want to say a special thanks. And uh, so I want to say thank you to Pastor Randall for doing a great job, speaking an amazing message uh, a couple weeks ago, and then last week, Pastor uh, James and Pastor Jesse, just killing it, doing a great job, and uh, I I love that they did a great job, and I'm happy to be here back in the house of God with you today. So come on, turn to the person next to you and say, man, you look so good today. That was for all the husbands in the room who forgot to tell their wives that. So now your marriage just got better. Come on, we're going to get into it today. Uh, we have been in a great series uh, studying the book of Ruth. Every summer we do a series uh, on a character in the Bible. We did uh, David our first year. You can go back and listen online uh, to that. David. we did eight weeks in the life of David, eight weeks last year in the life of Joseph, and then this year we've been looking at a wonderful lady named Ruth uh, who is an amazing uh, woman of God. And uh, we've been going through this together. And uh, really what I'm going to do today is, because uh, we're just in the middle of the series, we have three more weeks, including this week. I'll be preaching the next two weeks on Ruth, kind of landing the plane, uh, e- exiting chapter three and starting chapter four the next couple weeks. But today, I kind of want to take a little bit of, we'll jump into chapter three, but we're going to take a little bit of a step back. And I want to kind of talk to you a little bit today about Something that the Lord just put on my heart that I felt was appropriate uh, for the folks in the room today. Now, we got all people from all sorts of different spectrums in their walk with God today. We've got people who are uh, new to God, new to faith. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Uh, maybe you're here today and uh, you've been in church for a long time, uh, but you feel really far from God. But we're going to look at a, uh, something that I feel like would be very appropriate for uh, everyone in the room today, whether you're a follower of God, whether you are been in the church for a long time. Or maybe you are uh, just in the precipice today. Even maybe you realize how much God loves you, and you want to take a start a, a started journey uh, with the Lord. I want to talk about seasons today, about seasons of life. I don't know if you've ever been in a very long season before. Maybe uh, at a job. Maybe in a relationship. Uh, maybe something in your life. Well, you've been in a really season where it started really fun. It started really exciting. Some of you newly married couples will find this uh, after your honeymoon season's over that uh, marriage isn't fantastic and then you realize, wow, there's a lot of things about this person that drives me nuts. You know, <laughs> Well, I don't like how they don't make the bed. My, my wife doesn't like how I, my side of the bed is completely messy. And, not, and when, we, when she makes the bed, she does the tuck and I untuck and it drives her nuts that I untuck because I don't re-tuck little things like that and you start thinking oh did i marry the right person you know <laughs> but um you know all of us have these certain seasons of our life where we are it starts awesome it starts amazing and then we find ourselves in a place where uh, it starts to get not so awesome, not so amazing. You find that you're in a season of life where you know you, you're, you're, maybe you're working a job and it was exciting for a moment, but then a time comes where you start to feel like the, the job you've outgrown the job, or you feel like the job isn't what you thought it was, or maybe you're facing a difficulty in your life and a challenge in your life, and you feel like, man, this challenge is just too much for me to handle. I can't take it anymore. I need to get out of this uh, situation. Every one of us experiences these difficulties. Maybe you got a new car and the car was exciting, but now two years later you're still paying it off and you wish you never would have bought the car. Or maybe you started that job and the job was exciting, but now a few years in you're like, oh man, I I really want a new job. Like we all have these seasons of our life where even though we want the season to be over, God has us in that season. We have seasons of our life where we, we look at certain uh, situations we're facing. Maybe I'll use a job as a, another example, a career. And you're like, man, I just, I just know that that I need to get out of this job, but I just never heard, heard this before or sensed this before. I just feel like I'm supposed to stay. I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense, but I just feel like I'm supposed to just stay and keep on going where I am, even though I don't like anything about where I'm at. These are the types of seasons in our life that make it very challenging sometimes to continue going forward in our, our walk with God. And I want to talk about seasons today. What we're going to do is, is I kind of want to just take a look at where we've come so far in, our, in the book of Ruth and journey together just a little bit and look at the different uh, moments in, in, our, in, in Ruth's spiritual journey. And I really feel like there's some people here today that would benefit from this kind of giving you a little bit of a benchmark, a little bit of a, a, a goalpost, a little bit of a check mark, a checkpoint for you to know. When I'm journeying in my relationship with God, I start a journey with God, what are my benchmarks? What am I working myself towards? What, what's the end game here? What's the objective? And, and we're gonna walk a little bit through Ruth's life and look at just some of the benchmarks, and you can see clearly throughout this book what the, the, our journey of our life could look like if we respond correctly. So there's a lot of opportunity in your life. God has a lot of great things in store for you. God has a purpose. God's got a plan. God's got a future. God's got a destiny. God wants to help you in the most difficult seasons that you're in. He doesn't always pluck you out of them, but most of the time he helps you through them. But the reality is, is that every single stage of our life is based upon our willingness to yield to God in our lives. And we see this journey, and I want to just walk you through this journey a little bit together. And so I'm just going to mention just several different checkpoints, moments in Ruth's story, and then we'll come up to where we are in chapter chapter three. The first moment that we find is that, who haven't been here, when we look at the story of Ruth, we find that the, the, the book is about Ruth. The book is about this young woman, but the the first of the story starts with a family named Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons, and they were followers of God. They believed in Yahweh, the Creator God. They lived in Israel. Things were going really, really great for them, and all of a sudden, a famine hit God's land. Think about that for a minute. The place where God's people were was the famine in the land. And here's these people, Elimelech and Naomi. They made a decision to leave, because remember, the presence of God was only in the one central location. Today, you and I lifted our voices and sang a song, and we experienced the presence of Jesus. In those days, they couldn't do that. It was only located in the temple. And so here in Israel in Judah was the actual tangible manifest presence of God and Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons made a decision through a difficult season to leave the place of God and go to the place of Moab. So even though this story is about Ruth, it starts with this family's bad decision. And here we are. We find that these two individuals found their way over to Moab, as the scripture says. It says they left their home and they went to live in the country of Moab. Moab was enemies of God. They were. They did not believe in the Creator God. They did not believe in Yahweh. They did not believe in, in the God that, that many of us here today would profess, Jesus Christ. They would. They would not believe in that God. Moab was a place that 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 honored and served foreign, disgusting gods who give. Child sacrifices at the altar of this god Cheshmash. They would give their, their, their youngest child as a sacrifice to this god. It was a wicked, wicked place. And yet these people decided to go to this place where God wasn't. They made a decision to go to that direction, but little did they know that God was involved. And here's Ruth over here in this faraway foreign land, far from God never been to church, didn't grow up in a, in a home that knew about God, didn't know right, like right from wrong in the context of the Bible. They were probably a moral girl, probably a good person, but she had no context for what it meant to be a true follower of God. Far away from God, desolate, feeling distant, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we recognize that Ruth was completely far from God. She was lost, she was broken, just like I was. Lost in my addiction, in my brokenness, in the areas of my life that I was screwing up in. I was distant from God. I didn't I wasn't close to him. I was giving myself to all sorts of things. My marriage was in trouble. All sorts of things were happening. I was destitute. I was lost. I was without God in my life. And this is where the spiritual journey starts. The spiritual journey doesn't start when you make a decision to follow God. The spiritual journey starts when you were born because you were created by God. And even though you don't know this today, you might be here today and not realize this, that God created you and he actually created you to have a relationship with him. So even though Ruth is living in Moab, a place that doesn't know God, growing up in a home that doesn't know anything about God and wouldn't call themselves followers of God and never went to church and had to do any of those things, little did Ruth know God had a plan, God was involved, even though she was lost in Moab. And then we come to our, our second checkpoint. God finds Ruth. The second checkpoint in our spiritual journey isn't still you believing in God. The second checkpoint in the journey is that God found you. And this family who walking down the marketplace one day, Elimelech, Naomi, and their two sons, and she's walking down the road, and as she's walking through the market, there's this young girl, Ruth, who she's shopping, and she looks at Malon, their, young, their youngest son, and says, Boy, he's a good looking guy. And he looks at her and says, Whoa, she's a good looking girl. And they get connected and they start a relationship and they find each other, and she begins to find out about this Yahweh creator God. And I've never heard of this stuff before. And man, even though you guys are far from from, from your home, you still believe in God and you still talk about him. And you still talk about his word, and you still talk about his faithfulness, and then I'm learning so much. Ruth is beginning to be introduced to God because God wanted to find her, just like God wants to find you. That's right, that's right. In your desolation, in your destitution, when you're at your worst of your sin. Trust me, I've been in the worst of the sin, the disgusting of the disgusting, and still God was trying to Amen. find me. That's right. And he found me, so I was lost, and then he found me. Scripture says that eventually, Naomi had some tragedy in her life. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died the moment they moved to Moab. They moved into a house, and her husband died. And then, after her two sons, Malon and Kilion, married Ruth and Orpah, not Oprah, but uh, Ruth and Orpah, they got married, and ten years later, uh, Ruth and Orpah's husbands, the the sons of Naomi, died. And so now, Naomi's husband died, her two sons have died. She's living in Moab. She's got these two girls who are far from God, who don't know God, who are coming on a journey towards God, and she realizes that God began to provide for her people again in Israel. So she makes a conscious decision and says, "Guess what, girls? I'm going to go back to Judah, back to Israel, back to the place of God." I'm gonna go back to where the presence of God is I'm gonna go back to where the provision is and I want you to know I want you to come with me now I want you to remember this through the entire rest of the message today that in this story Naomi represents God in this story Naomi is a picture of what God wants to do in your life on the journey that you're on. So Naomi came to Moab and found Ruth and got Ruth a part of the family and started bringing Ruth on a journey back to the place of God where she was originally supposed to be. And now Ruth, not knowing anything about God, not knowing anything about this idea of God, starts this journey back with Naomi and Naomi looks at her and says, listen, I want you to know something, something very, very, very important along this journey that if you come with me, Ruth, you will never have a husband. You will never have children. You will never have a family. You have to give up everything in your life to follow after me. So now we're at the, 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 the next checkpoint in our spiritual journey where, where you were lost and I was lost and God found us. And he he came to us and he started us back on this journey towards him. And eventually we have to make a decision that we recognize that I can no longer live for myself. I can no longer live for my dreams and my agenda and my hopes and my wants. I actually have to surrender and yield my life to God and say, okay, if I'm gonna be a true disciple and a true follower of Jesus Christ, I have to give myself over to God's way and God's plan. I I won't have my dreams anymore of having a husband or a wife or children. I won't have my dreams anymore of building the career that I want. I have to lay these down before God and make a personal decision to say, God, I respond, I count the cost, this is a big deal. If you really want me to follow you, I'm not, I won't be able to, to, to think like I used to think or act like I used to act or live like I used to live. And yes, there's a big, long journey that we're gonna talk about for a minute, but the reality is, is I gonna lay down my own desires for yours? And Ruth had to make a choice. Am I gonna leave Moab, leave my family, leave the potential of my future Or am I going to go with Naomi? Am I going to go with God? Am I going to give up my future? Am I going to give up my destiny? Am I going to give up the things that I worked hard for? And am I going to lay those things down and let God take control of my life? That's the checkpoint we come to. Many of you are in this checkpoint today. Or even today, maybe it's the first time you've heard that God loves you. And then even in your most difficult of circumstances you're in right now, do you know that God is with you? In the hospital room, God is with you. In the fights with your wife or your spouse, God is with you. When your finances are in disarray and you don't know what to do and you can't afford your next payment, God is with you. When your children are being stinking disobedient and all you want to do is go, God is with you. <laughs> God is with you. God is with you. Even if you're a follower of Jesus today, even if you've been a long follower of Jesus, even if you don't know who God is, he is with you. He's involved. He's a part. He's leading you. He's guiding you. And you don't even realize it. He's involved in your life. Many of you are here today where you recognize that. And now the ask of God. See, God led uh, Ruth back to this point. And then, Naomi, God gave her an, an, an opportunity. I want you to know that the life I have for you, remember, for those of you who don't know this, Ruth later became the seed carrier of Jesus Christ. Ruth later became the seed carrier, the great-grandmother of King David. She could either choose her way in Moab And we'd never hear about her again. And she'd live for herself. Or she's, okay, I'm going to have to surrender everything in my life, give up my way and my agenda and my ways of doing things for God's way of doing things. But little do you know that you are a seed line carrier of Jesus Christ. Little do you know that the man God wants you to be with or the woman God wants you to be with or the family God wants you to have or the business he wants you to start or the ministry he wants you to lead, God has so much for your life. But you have to start by saying, God, I relinquish control to you. Right, right. Yeah. That is the journey you are on. Yeah. Where she made a decision to say, God, I choose you. Amen. Many of us are here today. I just want to repeat that. And I want you to know, the decision for you to serve the Lord, God loves you whether you choose it or not. I want you know that. He loves you whether you choose it or not. But a life that chooses God is blessed. A life that chooses God experiences a abundant life life and life abundantly a life that chooses god experiences peace a life that chooses god experiences hope a life that chooses god experiences purpose a life that chooses god gets a community look around you say man these are good looking people i like these folks a a life that chooses god i'm telling you today and i'm saying this straight to your heart today a life with god is far better than a life without him And so the decision we have to make is, will we choose this or not? Now, the next checkpoint. So Ruth makes that decision. Okay, look what she says in this verse. Wherever you go, I'm going to go, Naomi. God, wherever you go, I'm going. God, wherever you want me to live, I'm going to live. God, your people will be my people. Your community will be my community. Your church will be my church. Your God will be my God. Come on, Naomi, I'm going to follow after you. Where you die, I'm going to die. I am going all in. So she made this choice that she's going to sacrifice everything for her walk with the Lord and say, okay, life is truly better with you, Lord, than my own life. But we come to the next checkpoint. This is an interesting one. So Ruth, in this verse here, we see Ruth chooses to redeem her situation. So if you're here today and you've just made that decision to follow God, this is your next step in your journey. So look what it says, Ruth 2.2. So they came back to Judah. They came back to, back to Israel, Naomi did with Ruth. They settled into home their home. And then it says this. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, so Ruth said, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Now, Ruth uh, could have stayed uh, upset and frustrated about her situation. In fact, Naomi, in the previous verse, it says, Naomi was stinking bitter at God. So let's just take the God equation off of Naomi for just a minute. Naomi was upset at God because she says, I came out full and I, I, I left full and I came back empty. God is absolutely against me. She said, I'm bitter towards the Lord. So here's Ruth living with a bitter mother-in-law with no husband and no children. Someone's like, "Woo!" yeah, and you have a bitter mother-in-law. Let's pray for you guys. <laughs> I don't, mother-in-law. I love you. Josh, learn from me, friend. Josh and Madison got engaged this week. Come on. She said yes, even though he looked like a, he needed help. He had long hair, a big beard. I was going to stereotype it, but I thought, no, let's not do that today. So here's Ruth living in her home She's got a bitter mother in law. She's got no husband. Her husband died. She's got no hope of children. And what is she? She's now, but she's given her life to God. Now, I want you to hear me today. Ruth made a decision to follow God, but life didn't get any better. So, we have a lot of teaching going across the church that says, hey, give your life to Jesus, and guess what? You're going to be rich hey, give your life to Jesus, and guess what? Life is gonna be easy peasy, high in the sky, fun, fun, fun. Guess what? When you give your life to follow Jesus Christ, I want you to tell you, you have to go back to work on Monday, and stuff doesn't change. Your boss is even more annoying than he was before. Your is even more perverted than he was before. Life doesn't change from one day to the next when you become a follower of Jesus. The only thing that changes is your heart. And so here's Ruth. She makes a decision says, okay, I'm gonna, I need to get out of my, my, my situation. Man, I need to get out of the, of the bitterness that's going on in my life. I need to get out of this, like, sadness about the stuff I'm not getting. Like, I'm not going to have a husband. I'm, I'm not going to have kids. I, my mother-in-law's bitter. Like, I, I, she says, you know what? I'm not going to sit here any longer. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to get to work. She gets up. I'm going to go back to work. I'm going to go back to that marriage. I'm going to go back to that relationship. I'm going to go back to paying down that debt. Hallelujah. I'm going to get back. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to sit and wallow and wait for someone else to walk by and sit with me in my victimhood. No way. I'm going to get up and I'm going to move forward. Naomi, Ruth got up. She began to work and she began to redeem. She found herself working in the very field of Boaz. You say, what does that mean? She randomly, and I know we talked about this, she randomly chose to go get a job at the McDonald's down the street. Little did she know the McDonald's was owned by Boaz. Little did we know that Boaz is the only relative near her that could actually marry her and give her children. In fact, Boaz would later be the great-grandfather of King David. She didn't know that. She just made a decision. I'm gonna redeem my situation. I recognize that yesterday life was, I I saw my job yesterday that had value. My job had value and my relationships had value. And then I met Jesus and the value of my job isn't there anymore. The things I used to do are no longer as valuable as they used to be. I used to work countless hours, night and day, to make money and make career and of all these things. And then I met Jesus and this just feels so worthless to me. He changes your value system so that now you go back to what you valued and idolized before and that that thing has been dethroned from your life. And now Jesus is your priority and you realize, oh wow, I'm in a situation now where things haven't really changed, things are the same, everything seems to be the same What do I do now? You have to redeem the situation. You need to get to work. You need to start serving. You need to keep serving. Serve your boss, even though he's an idiot. Sorry, bosses. Serve your coworker, even though they're annoying. Serve your children, even though they drive you nuts. Serve, 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 serve. Someone say it, serve! Serve In that season, she got, she got herself into a field and she started serving and little did she know that as she served the Lord, oh my gosh, I'm serving and I didn't even realize that I'm serving in the very field of my future, my destiny, my purpose. God is getting ready to set me up with Boaz, but I didn't know that. I'm just serving my boss. I'm just serving my neighbor. I'm just serving the people she served. This is the season many believers are at today. They become a follower of Jesus and they expect their life just to be peachy keen Better reality is you got to put yourself to work for God's kingdom. That's, right. good. that's what the scripture says. One day Naomi Ruth said, "I'm gonna go to work." Yeah. God didn't tell her to do that. You see, God said in there, no. "No." She said, "I'm not gonna sit here any longer. I'm not gonna sit here any longer and wallow in my past. Right. I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna get to work." Good. This is a season that's really important for many of us because. Many of us can sit in our past and we need to get up and start working towards God's future for our lives. So she chooses to serve. The next point in your journey where I believe probably 90% of the people in the room are at is this. Ruth chooses to stay in the field and serve. Now look at the verse. So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then She continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer, and and the while she lived with her mother-in-law. So here's Ruth. She's following God. She's gotten to work, and she's still in the field that she started in. Still at the job that now you despise. Still in the marriage that isn't all worked out. Still in the financial debt that you wish would go away still feeling a bit discouraged, still feeling maybe a bit depressed, still feeling like things aren't getting any better. Maybe you've been served. maybe you've been working a job and you've been working a job for a long time and you're following after God and your value system has shifted. So the thing that you're doing no longer has as much value and all you do is you want to get out of the season. But I gotta tell you today, this is the season where God will transform you into the person that he wants you to be. (laughs) This is the season when we wanna run and we wanna get out, oh, this marriage is terrible, I wanna get out, this is the season when you gotta buckle down as a follower of Jesus and say, I'm gonna serve. This is the season when everything in you wants to quit what you're doing. This is the season when you want to bail. This is the season when you get frustrated, when you get bitter. This is the season when we actually get angry with God because he's not answering our prayers. And I want you to know the reason God has you in this season is to teach you that God is good no matter what. Even when life doesn't get better. Even when the sickness doesn't go away, even when things, life doesn't turn out like we hoped it would, God remains involved and faithful in our lives. Right. This is the season where many of us are, where we're frustrated about the life that we're living. We're frustrated about what God's given us. We're frustrated. We, you know what's funny is, most of the things you're frustrated about started as a gift from God. <laughs> <laughs> most of the things you're in right now are things you prayed and fasted for, and God gave you, and now you're like, shoot, God, give me a new job, God! <laughs> Gives you a new job. Two years later, I hate this job. I hate this job. God, give me a new job! <laughs> God wants you in this season because He's teaching you and showing you and preparing you for the next checkpoint. That's Many of you are here right now, and you're frustrated, and you feel disconnected, and you feel, you feel tired, and your faith is waning, and you, you feel like, oh, what do I do? And I want you to know what you got to do is you got to humble yourself. Stop being so stinking prideful. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And guess what the verse says? He will lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves <laughs> under the mighty hand of God. Okay, God, I don't like my boss. I'm just saying, I love him, but I sure don't like him. I don't like my coworkers. I'm tired of working in this area, this, this, this job. I want to be in ministry or I want to start a new business or I'm going to go here. God, but I feel like I'm not supposed to leave yet. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And guess what? In due season, in due time, he will lift you up. Not down, not to the side. He will take you to the next level yeah. in your life. Good. Yep. But listen, this season sucks. I have uh, aborted myself out of many of these seasons and I've paid the price. Guess, what, guess how you, the price you pay for aborting yourself out of these seasons. Years. I wanted to plant a church in Calgary 14 years ago. But because I aborted myself from situations, the Lord delayed me. He made me wait because I was so stinking prideful. I wanted my way. That person's not supposed to hurt me. I thought I was a child of God. Why am I experiencing hardship? Uh, The price you pay is years of your life to make up for us just saying, all right, Lord, I trust you. That even though I don't like the situation I'm in, even though I feel discouraged about it, even though it's depressing, even though I really have a hard time loving my spouse, even though this job just doesn't seem to produce like I hoped it would, Lord, what do you want me to do? He says, humble yourself and serve. And when the time is right, when the time is right, everyone say that with me, when the time is right. Whose time? His time. In the right time. (laughs) Your time is not the right time. Your idea of what that means is not accurate. You are an emotional individual. Let it go. God knows what the right time is. And when you're feeling discouraged and anxious and up in arms about all the life, the money and the, 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 the relationships, don't, don't ever forget that God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. God has all the money in the world. God is faithful beyond your comprehension. God is with you constantly in the hospital room, in the fights, in the difficulty, in the moments when life feels the lowest and the grossest and the most disgusting. Guess what? That's where God lives. That's where he dwells, that's where he lives. He loves to be right in those moments when you are at your worst. You think he likes it when you're at your best? Because he knows you're faking it. He likes you when you're at your worst and life is just not going great. And he says, okay, son and daughter, listen, humble yourself. Come on, remember, every good and perfect gift comes from God, comes from above. Remember, my plan for you was great. My plan for you was good. Remember, you have a future to hope. Remember, you're gonna be the seed line of David. Remember, you're a carrier of the seed line of Jesus. Remember, I've got great plans for your life. Remember, I am in control of your destiny. But all of that is attached to your willingness to respond and choose to say, all right, Lord, I trust you. (laughs) My life is not my own. My life is yours. Matthew Barnett, the founder of the Dream Center down in California, was the first Dream Center. He said this statement that I love. In order to see God's success in your life, you have to die to your dream of success. (laughs) The season's tough, I'm not going to lie to you, I hate this season, but this is the season when you're being molded, you're being crafted, you're being worked on, you're being helped and guided and led. This is the season when you actually get to know Jesus like never before. (laughs) The moments of my life where I felt closest to God are the moments when I had the most crisis in my belief. The moments in my life where I felt closest to God were not when I thought I had it figured out. The moments in my life were when I had the Bible on the shelf and there was dust on it. And I didn't want to read it because I knew if I read it, I'd be convicted by God. (laughs) The moments in my life where I felt closest to God, when I said, God, I don't think I believe anything other than one thing, that you're good. That's all it's about. God, are you good or are you not? (laughs) Are you faithful or are you not? Because if you're faithful, I'm going to stop trying so hard, and I'm going to let you be in control of my life. I just keep going on this because I feel like a lot of folks are in this place today. What is a dream on your heart? The Lord has a desire in your heart. He's put a purpose and a passion. He's put something there in your heart and you're frustrated because you want to get there. Humble yourself. Stop trying to put your hands back on the steering wheel. Relent, yield, and let God lead you on the journey that he has for you. Here's the next checkpoint. Checkpoint. This is where this is the next level. This is the Lord, I've humbled myself. Lord, uh, I've learned everything I can learn. Lord, you're working on my life. Now I want you to know something, and I'll add this before I move on to the next one. You always come back to the field of chapter 2. The people of Israel were eradicated from slavery in Egypt. They were so thrilled to go into the desert. They were so excited. They had parties and jubilation. They were thrilled to be in the middle of the desert and three days later they realized, oh my gosh, I'm in the desert. And then they spent two years going to the desert until God worked it out of them. And then two years, they're about to walk into the promised land. They're about to go up to the next level and they just couldn't get there. They just couldn't uh, yield to God. And so guess what? They spent another 38 years in the wilderness until finally they reached the promised land. Listen, you will never stop going through the chapter two field of Boaz. God will always bring you back there. So stop thinking that it's gonna end one day. It just keeps coming back up every time you get into a new season. Why? because we are human, we got junk in our life, and the Holy Spirit is constantly speaking to us about how we can be more like Him. So don't fret. I want to give you hope. If you keep humbling yourself to the Lord, and you keep getting a part of prayer, you just start having a great relationship with the Lord, or reading your word, and spending time in prayer, and you just start doing the work, and start honoring the Lord, guess what? You'll look up. And look what the scripture says. I love this. The next phase. It says, God leads you to a faith step season into the next level in your walk with him. Look at this. First, she's working in the field. She's coming home each day, doing her thing, back and forth. And look at those first two words, one day. Just like out of nowhere. Just randomly. One day. Naomi says, hey, I've been thinking. Maybe it's about time to get you married. <laughs> It's about time we get you to the next season, to the next level. How about we get you to the next step in your journey with me? How about we get you married to Boaz? Ruth had given up all dreams of having a family. Think about that for a minute. She had laid down... Every single desire. That's what the field's about. Laying down my dreams and my desire and my will and my future and my way and my will. She finally laid it down. And the moment she laid it down, one day Naomi said, Hey, why don't we get you married? <laughs> God wants to do this in your life, that when you got your head down, working at your job, serving, honoring the Lord, loving God, being in community, doing what you do, one day you're gonna look up and Naomi, God's gonna be standing and says, hey, hail, hey, let's lift you up. Let's get you to the next level. Let's get you to the next season. Let's get you moving forward to what I have for your life. Let's get you positioned to be the seed line carrier of King David. Let's get you into that ministry. Let's get you leading that group. Let's get you starting that business. Let's get you doing the thing that I." I put on your heart before the foundations of time right, right. let's get you into your purpose let's get you fulfilling your destiny let's get you there ever had one of those days you wake up one day come home and you met your wife I did <laughs> went to a conference one day came back I had a girlfriend who I knew I was going to marry it was sweet <laughs> it's because I yielded the idea of marriage to God and literally one week later I met my wife at 7 p.m. on a Thursday night one week after I had done that prayer <laughs> one day There's a one-day moment coming for you (laughs) where the dreams of your heart will be fulfilled. We see it all throughout Scripture. Think about it for a minute. Moses, a prince for 40 years, ended up serving in the field of his father-in-law sheep for 40 years, 80 years old, and then one day he stumbles upon a burning bush. The prince of Egypt, the, the one who led the people of Israel, the Jewish nation out of Egypt served for 40 years in the backside of a stankin' desert. And then one day, he tripped on a bush. How about Joseph? Joseph was thrown into slavery, was accused of rape, thrown into jail, forgotten about for two years. And then one day, Pharaoh has a dream. Hey, I heard a guy can interpret your dream. He's in jail. He's been serving in the jail for years. Oh, really? Guess what? In one day, Joseph became the second in command of the entire nation of Egypt and he came right out of jail. Hello. What about David. David was anointed to be king when he was a young teenager. They poured a flask of oil calling him the king of Israel. And guess what he did after that happened? He went back to his dad's field and served until one day a huge eight-foot beast stepped up and said, Hey, who, who, who can stop me? And Goliath came. And one day, David said, Oh, I can do it. One day. In one moment. When you're ready, when you've yielded, when you've humbled yourself, when you recognize God's in control, when you stop trying to take control of your life, when you recognize that that area of addiction in your life, it's gotta go, when you recognize all of these different things that are happening in your life, with behaviors and attitudes and perspectives and mindsets and you say, oh man, I really want to know who God is. I'm not just going to know Him from an outside perspective. I want to know God for myself in this season. I'm going to get in the Word and I'm going to ask questions and I'm going to be in community and I'm going to lean into a group and I'm going to be on a team and I'm going to be there and serve and be a part of what God is doing. I'm going to lean in. Guess what? You're leaning in and God's getting your one day prepared. Hallelujah. That's right. Come on, guys. Talk to me for a minute. Say amen. amen. This day is coming for you. That's right. But I want you, to know, I want you to notice the difference between chapter two and chapter three. Chapter two, Ruth made a decision to get to work. Hear me. You got to hear me. Oh, you got to hear me. Ruth made a decision to serve her boss. Ruth made a decision to go back to work and give her all even though she didn't feel it. Ruth made that choice. Chapter three, God called Ruth out of that season. You won't get out of the field of chapter two until God calls you out. But when he calls you out, he is setting you up for something in your life. He is getting you ready for the call of God on your life. He is positioning you to be the person that God has called you to be. He is getting you ready for purposes that have been fulfilled in your heart for years, that you've desired and wanted in your life. Come on, every eye closed in this place right, right now. I just feel like there's some people in the room that have had a dream in their heart, that have had something in their mind. There's something you've been praying for. Maybe someone in your life is sick in body and you've been praying for years that they've been healed. Or maybe you're in a marriage relationship that's on the rocks and you've been hoping, man, I'm just going to keep serving. Will it get better? Or maybe you've been in such financial debt you don't know what to do and how to get out of it. Or maybe you're so far from God. You say, God, I don't know how to get back to that place. I want you to know today there is a future for you. There is a purpose for you. There is a plan for you. God is involved right now in In your life, in every situation, at every moment, God is present right now. He is so involved in your life. He has so much vested interest in your future. He has so much vested interest. Why? Because God created you in his image. He forms you and he created you in your mother's womb. And the Bible says he knows every single day that you live. It was written in the book of God before you even lived one day. God is so involved in your life. God is so present right now. Those of you in the Roger Felix, people in the room that are discouraged, you feel frustrated with your current situation, I want you to know God is involved. God is present. God is there. He's involved. God is present. He wants you to know that today, that He's right beside you. He is leading you. He is guiding you. He loves you so much, and He wants to fulfill His plan for your life. We just got to release control of our lives to the Lord. Come on, there we eye closed today. I'm going to keep you seated for a few moments. I'm going to do two prayers. I'll do the second prayer after we stand up. But the first one, I'm just going to ask you right now, for those sitting down right now, every eye closed. Gosh, you just feel like you're in the chapter two. See, the field of has. you've just been working, and you're just tired tired of experiencing failure. You're tired of falling flat on your face. You're tired of not seeing. The, it's almost like that scripture says, the hope deferred makes the heart sick. And you just want to get into that next season, but God won't allow you to be there yet. there eye closed in this place. Come on, if you're here today and you say, Ryan, that's me. <laughs> that is totally me. I need prayer today. Come on, put your hand in the air. the room today. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Father, I just pray for these people right now. Lord, I know there is nothing more frustrating than being in a season, God, that I don't want to be in anymore. I pray, Father, for grace, the grace of God, to come right now and enable them, to give them the ability, God, to go back to work or to go back to that situation today or tomorrow, Lord, with a fresh faith to know that at the end of this season, God, you are waiting with a one-day moment. That your plan for them is good, not to harm them, not to injure them. You're not an angry God. You're a God who loves your people. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just minister to their hearts in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? Come on, one last time. Stand with me for one more time and close your With every eye closed, I don't want to embarrass you. You're in the room today and you say, Ryan, have, I'm in the beginning of that journey. I don't didn't realize I was lost, but I guess I, I may be. And I'd like to start a relationship with Jesus today, with God today. I'm not, I'm not a follower of him now, but I'd like to be. Come on, you're in the room today and you say, Ryan, I'd like to give my life to Jesus today. Would you just, on the count of three, raise your hand. I won't pull you forward. I won't embarrass you. I just want to see who we're praying with today. Come on, the count of three, you want to give your life to Jesus. One, two, three. Come on, anyone in the room today. Come on, amen. Come on, anybody else today want to give their life to the Lord today. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church, let's pray out loud really, really quick. Real loud. Let's pray loud and proud. Come on, real loud. In the name of Jesus. Come on, one more time. In the name of Jesus, I come before you today. I come before you today. And I need you in my life. I need you. Forgive me of all my sin. Forgive me of all my sin. I choose to follow you. I choose to follow you. And start my journey today. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, let's just sing this song together. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.